Welcome to Fintech Uncut. The quiz show with candid commentary on the biggest fintech and financial services news of the week that was. Disclaimer, this show is created purely for entertainment purposes and contains segments of sarcasm, satire, parody, and humor. Even if you don't think any of it is funny, the creators do not accept any responsibility or liability for the accuracy of any content shared and reminded you to always fact check everything yourself. And now, it's over to your quiz master. Hello everyone, welcome at Fintech Uncut, the quiz show with candid commentary on the week's biggest fintech and financial services stories with the wise guy, the other guy, and Judge Mary. Are you curious how Valentine influenced this week's show? Has it made the judge softer in terms of scoring? You will find out all about that this week. I'm Rick Kukelberis, your host of the day, looking forward to see who will win this week's show. Let's start with the first question. It's a special question as well. Back in 2019, the most popular wedding song started with we go together we change the weather yeah feeling heat in December you grab me it was from sucker of Jonas Brothers ironically who's the sucker in 2023 <laughs> <laughs> why's my buzzer working is it me <laughs> Because I just got fined a thousand pounds at Warsaw Airport, <laughs> bringing me in some coins. What? Worth, they weren't worth more than ten thousand euros. And I argued with the customs guy. He said, "No, these are gifts. These are rare coins." I went, "They're only Harry Potter special commemorative coins from the Royal Mint." But that was annoying. A, a thousand? That's crazy. Well, it was it was four hundred pounds for the fine. Sorry, for the taxes, and six hundred for the fine for not declaring them. Whoa! Yeah. And for insulting them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's not the answer, I think, Judge Mary. No, I but I like I like the answer, but I, wrong answer. I am a sucker, though. <laughs> that does sound like a sucker. Yeah, I think that um, because it's musical. Right, so you're going to have to stick with me on, on on my explanation here. I think that the sucker is Victoria Beckham, and I'm saying that not just because she's a Spice Girl, but I don't know if you know, but Victoria Beckham has got her own clothing line and clothing range, and uh, her brand is something like 45 million in debt at the moment. But Justin Bieber, on the other hand, um, Bieber is making tens of millions of dollars with his clothing brand and all it is is t-shirts and mugs and hoodies with a smiley well, we face do. like we do exactly so i think you know maybe victoria beckham's a bit of a sucker because she sells her stuff for a huge amount of money and bieber sells little bits of things but is um, making tens of millions and there's a connection back to money you see i mean Andrew, under, it's a under... fintech show well, fintech money—he's making tens of millions. Yeah, but Mary can correct me if I'm wrong, but under gender identification rules, anybody who identifies as she or her, you cannot call a sucker. Okay, I cannot. I am not weighing in on that one, Chris. <laughs> That's the know. final I'll, verdict there. Chris, <sighs> I would say under gender equality, anybody can be a sucker. You've just proved it. Oh, all right. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. 
Yeah. I must be um, Sam Bankman Freed. He's he's quite a sucker, isn't he? I mean, he's not being freed. He's under two hundred fifty million dollars bail, but you know, basically after the FTX collapse, and now. But he, that wasn't two twenty two. Yeah. Well, he might have only just come out. He's going to be quite well, a sucker using for a few a years. VPN, you using you a have VPN to come out as a sucker, don't you? Again, under LBTQ plus, I I, I can identify as, as a sucker if I want to. My friends. And Definitely before Judge that. Mary is going to cut the time, I'm going to give you a tip. It was the favorite wedding song. It had to do with a wedding. Oh, a wedding. <laughs> is it Harry, Harry and Meghan? No. <laughs> no weddings. Was it a wedding between two companies, maybe? Maybe. Was oh. there a breakup this year? Maybe. Oh. So, and in Valentine's week as well, was it maybe the wedding between FIS and WorldPay? And now the divorce is costing them a little bit much. Well, in terms of valuation, that is, that uh, FIS's valuation after they split WorldPay out, spin out WorldPay as a separate organization, um, FIS's valuation is less than what they paid for WorldPay when they got married. Sorry, came together. Something along those lines? Bingo. And uh, maybe you hear the garbage disposal outside of my place right now, but... It's a signal, Andrew, you're winning. <laughs> One question, though. What? The valuation of FIS total market share, what I read is that today is the same market capitalization as the acquisition price of WorldPay back then. So that's before the split off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, the two together. They acquired them in 2019 and are now worth less than the amount they paid to acquire them. And maybe that garbage disposal is uh, WorldPay going down the toilet. Hmm. But will they? I mean, will will was World Pay not being maybe a bit hampered under FIS? I mean, this is just genuine question and talking here. You know, will World Pay now not have the opportunity to flourish a bit more, not under FIS and spun out as something different, or are FIS getting rid of what they seem to be a bit of a drain on them? Well, I think the challenge of FIS have is that they believe in acquisitive growth and they've acquired many companies in the past decade and the challenge with every single one is how do you integrate them bring them together make them work together and create a um cohesive and consistent organizational structure um and i know them quite well and so i know they reorganize regularly which is not necessarily a great um enthusiasm on people's sort of um culture and feelings but um it has to be done otherwise you end up with a separate organization that's like an internal cyst that you have to break out and they're not the only ones there was another big news item um of finastra thinking about splitting their banking division so every big organization is currently rethinking its structure right now um given the current economic context and the fact that yeah tech is becoming a bit less interesting these days so we have to be careful or organizations need to be careful how to invest in it yeah, it's definitely, I mean, there's a lot of sad storylines going on right now, but we'll mm. see what, we'll see what shakes out. Yeah. Um, well, I already gave Andrew the winning points before we concluded our comments and I won't renege. So Andrew, you have seven, Chris, you have six for the added commentary, despite the earlier commentary. Me? And neck. You <laughs> me? should have got negative points for that. Well, yeah. Or give the points to me. You, you get minus one. For the singing. <laughs> All right, next question. 
Rising interest rates also affect trends in gastronomy. Why is that? That's because my diet's been reduced to bread and water. Can't afford anything else. Well, I was going to say, in the cost of living crisis, I think this is more to do with the fact that the French and Belgians are now eating a record amount of English fish and chips because that's all they can afford. Actually, for a first time in many years, I did eat fish and chips at noon. <laughs> there you go. Did you enjoy it? Sorry? I saw a, um, I think when you're talking about gastronomy, I, I saw a very interesting article on a very reputable um, site, you know, very influential called the Olive Oil Times. And the Olive Oil Times have reported a slump in consumption of olive oil due to the rising prices, making turning it into a luxury good. And if you think I make this stuff up, I don't. I'm going to put a link in the show notes just to prove it's actually a real story from the Olive Oil Times. Well, even more reputable is the English Breakfast Index, which is run by the UK government's Office of National St Statistics, which found that a full English breakfast has risen by 22% in cost in the last 12 months. And amazingly, pasteurised milk per pint has gone up 50%. Eggs are up 30%. And butter um, also up near thirty percent. So, you know that's why we're eating bread without butter and I, water. I can I can embellish your statistics as well with a bit of news from the USA, just to make a little bit more global and bring Mary into the picture. In the USA, egg prices have increased by seventy percent, and a dozen eggs now costs more than a pound of ground beef. Mary. Are we the only ones with a job here? <laughs> We're bringing you genuine news here, and this is financial indexes, and this is important stuff. Well, Andrew's right about the eggs. The price is high. <laughs> but yes, to your point, Rick, is anyone going to say something accurate in terms this of the sounds question? Something to do with um, eating things like FIS eating world pay, but we've done that one. Maybe it's to do with the fact that um, banks are getting really record results this year and fintechs are desperate for money. Um, at Money 2020, I was told that quite a lot of fintechs were holding out begging bowls. So maybe banks are buying fintechs on the cheap. And according to CB Insights, um, you know, there, there was a, a significant decrease in fintech investment in 2022 um so clearly the vcs and the money is cooling off on there a little bit but i do think that we should point out that 2022 was still the second highest year on record for fintech investment so i think there's a lot in the hype in the headlines that are saying Oh, global fintech funding fell by 46% from 2021 to 2022. Yeah, but 2021 was, if you look at a global funding chart, 2021 was an absolute outlier. It shot up, probably due to COVID pandemic and all the amount of money that was poured in to digitize everything. So 2022, yes, global investment dropped by, by 46%. But it's not as sensational as the headlines would make it think. And also good news from my 
birthplace, origin, end of the world. Africa attracted a 25% year-on-year growth in fintech, showing that there's huge opportunities still out there in Africa. So start investing in Africa. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I attended a dinner this week and we discussed the fintech things as well. Someone asked, it was not a, it was not a banking related dinner, um, but someone in the audience asked me and, and my neighbor who's working in financial services as well, what's the most innovative region these days? And, and clearly that's Africa. Um, it's not even China anymore because everything that gets developed from scratch now it's Africa. So absolutely. But to come back to the um, topic of gastronomy in this question, it had to do with the fear of fintech eating banks that changed completely because of the um, little appetite or, or less appetite compared to 21, to be precise, um, of investing in fintech. Well, not just yeah. that, but we are seeing quite a lot of banks acquiring fintechs. So um, yeah. NatWest Group acquired Cushion this week, which is a insurtech pension provider, and JP Morgan Chase in the um, you know developments in Britain uh, for the digital bank brought um, Nutmeg. So you know I think we'll see a lot more of that. Yeah, and, and Chris, I, I kept on forgetting to ask you: um, Have you started a startup in Estonia? Because I see a startup called the Startup Wise Guys have actually just raised 25 million euros in funding and they're a startup accelerator and fintech is one of their topic areas so i thought maybe you know as the wise guy you've you've just you've got a side hustle that we don't know about it's close to poland yeah. I, I haven't uh, been involved but maybe i should start up starting conversations with the startup yeah all right <laughs> Only other aside, I'm going to say is at the recent conference I was at, a bunch of bankers, they were like almost gleeful at this change of storyline of, of thinking fintech's not going to kick their butts, but um, I think it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, okay, I think they're gonna, they may still be kicking butts, but not with an iron foot. <laughs> not with an iron foot. Or iron foot. shoe, iron shoe, sorry. I like that as the asterisk. Okay. <laughs> Points-wise, I'm feeling like Chris and Andrew were sort of like on each other's level. Um, but I want to... <laughs> difference of opinion, but I'm sticking with my gut. We're going to do eight and eight. Oh. I said it's a, a, a gastronomy question. You just stick with your gut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next question. Tech can be an enormous cost savior and help in making the jobs of people easier, but it has side effects. Can you guess what I'm talking about? Isn't this one to do with the fact that people don't talk anymore because they don't know how? We've all lost our social skills because we do everything digitally and we'd rather text and message each other even if we're sitting next to each other. And actually, because we do so much screen watching and texting you know you go bug-eyed you get bad fingers due to repetitive strain injury you get a bad back and those are all really bad medical side effects and you know at the end of the day it's going to make everybody become fat couch potatoes uh, i think that because you know we're a, obviously a serious show and we talk to people in business in this show you know very serious business this um it's got to do with something that I frequently refer to whenever I'm doing keynotes, and that is the um, the existence of digital diarrhea. Um, digital diarrhea is 
the same shit but faster that's when you try and do digital transformation but you just throw digital at your same crappy processes that you've got today so you end up with digital diarrhea um and so that's the the side effect is that yes it can make people's jobs easier and their lives easier but they in a lot of cases they just make the same mistakes faster now so if I ask you the best tip for digital transformation, you will say, wear diapers? <laughs> <laughs> I was also thinking, I think you're very close to the mark there, Andrew, because everyone I meet in fintech says we get shit done. <laughs> there we go. Is that our new merch? Diapers? <laughs> <laughs> Branded diapers. Get Branded diapers. Done. We get shit done. Just get shit done. I'm going to have to put that down somewhere. Back to the question, friends. Yes. Anyone well, got some real answers going? I mean, one side effect, um, and I actually was doing this 15 years ago, I think, is um, keyboard tracking to see um, how people were using their keyboards. And in fact, that can be used as a biometric. And I know that some banks do now use um, keyboard tracking or webcams or other monitors to study the, their staff. And now that everyone's working from home, there must be something to do with a bank monitoring staff activity at home. We're getting there. Almost there, Andrew. Add on. That's I, Chris, an open goal. Yeah, Chris has very much got it there. Uh, Monzo made the news this week for, um, uh, I don't know whether they revealed it or whether somebody uh, uncovered the fact that not only do they track their employees' activities and they expect them to be at their screens 80-something percent of the time and busy with fingers on the keyboards, but they actually name and shame their staff during meetings if they don't hit certain targets of sitting there all the time so i don't know whether they're going to have to you know install further technologies like maybe uh their desk chairs are going to become uh, toilets at the same time so they don't have to take toilet breaks or something like diarrhea that again uh, yeah more diarrhea this is it yeah. it's um I, i'm gonna I, name and shame andrew because he's been on his keyboard for the last 220 hours this week it's been incredible uh it, you know, and basically Anyone on the screen for that long must be doing something other than looking at fintech. Yeah, but my hands are busy all the time on the keyboard, Chris. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> this is going the wrong way. This is going awry, but Minus. we did arrive. Negative points. <laughs> Negative points, but we did arrive at the you right. You don't give points, Rick. Mary gives the points. It's of choice. <laughs> Um, this shaming part of the storyline, that's like shocking. Like in the US, that would be an absolute HR violation big time. Like I feel like you'd get in a lot of trouble. Isn't if... that a common thing inside in the Silicon Valley? Um to make what? sure that your teams remain sharp to every once in a while. Well, definitely that, but like shaming in a meeting, I don't know. I feel like that's mm. like it shouldn't like... happen. But I think it yeah. happens more often than you expect. Um, and also the question you have got to ask is, even if I, I'm forced to be at the um, you know, computer for 85% of the time I'm employed that week, is that me measuring productivity? I mean, what does that actually measure? Mm -hmm. This is it. It's just, it's measuring busyness or not even just activity as opposed to yeah. productivity. Um, it's just, it's such a bad way of measuring somebody's output. You know, how many 
hours of the day that you're active in front of your screen. That's it, just it kind of reminds me. I, I used to deal with a lot of call centers back in the day, and they used to measure how many calls you got through in the day, which is quantity. They weren't measuring quality of those calls. So mm -hmm. the reason why First Direct became the number one um, bank without branches in Britain, in Britain is that um, they said to their staff, just make sure the customer's happy, take as long as it needs. They don't measure them on, on speed and quantity. They measure them on customer satisfaction. Mm. Makes a lot more sense. I don't know. You're, I, Chris, did you ever, I remember like eight years ago or something, there was a company, maybe it was even an ATM company, but they were creating pods. So their call center people could work from a pod within their home. I don't know if this was a mock-up or if it ended up happening at all, but I do remember seeing this. Um, yeah, it rings a bell. I can't remember the name of the company. It wasn't Apple, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just, it was like a phone booth from your living room to do your banking calls. Anyway, nightmare. Um, okay, points. Chris, you have earned six. Andrew, you have earned five. Not and minus six. It's not minus six. And Andrew's a point ahead right now. Just FYI. <laughs> hmm. It's been a while, but the metaverse hit the news again with a new world. Can you guess what's so special about it? Breaking news. DJ Grandmaster Rick will be busting out the raps in the Rickiverse. As long as he's not singing, that sounds pretty good. That is correct. <laughs> I, I reckon, you know, when you're looking at virtual worlds, is this the one where um, Brexit actually is working? <laughs> That's a fantasy world, Rick. Oh, sorry. Uh, definitely a fantasy world. That kind of realm, I don't think anybody could even program that. Maybe it's one where Brexit is working and Liz Truss is Prime Minister again. Oh, no, God, don't go there. <laughs> the opposite extreme. I, I think that what's so special about the metaverse is that it's not at all special and companies are just quietly cutting back on everything uh this week in the news microsoft have got rid of a hundred engineers on their industrial metaverse team they only set up the team four months ago as this new division on working on the industrial metaverse because they thought that's where they were going to be making money they've cut back um zuckerberg you know last year or so had zuckerberg a, mark zuckerberg had, zuckerberg maybe he's a sucker zuckerberg he had announced that he was going to be uh meta was going to be hiring ten thousand new employees across the europe in order to work in the metaverse on the metaverse projects none of that's that, ever that, happened that the company losing a billion dollars a month on that on the metaverse yeah. exactly that company the one that we had covered in uh, yeah. a, a couple of shows ago talking about that a billion dollars a month well they haven't hired any of those ten thousand people and when he was questioned on it he said they're now focusing on efficiencies no word about metaverse and then Tencent, a massive manufacturer um, in Asia, has announced this week that they're scrapping all of its plans for making VR hardware. Um, so the list just carries on going on. The big tech companies are quietly 
just withdrawing from the metaverse and they're leaving this whole metaverse hype to mainly gaming focused people who are trying to you know they can't get on in real life at the moment so they're trying to disappear into an alternative one going back to the question i think that's a real opportunity for this new world so because they can find a lot more talent from these big tech companies but can you guess what's so special about it you see i was going to say um that i think we're getting closer and what's so special is i've seen meta's secret internal plans that through uh, the metaverse all of us will have avatars in virtual worlds and based on climate change blowing up our planet within the next century we'll all exist digitally um forevermore oh, and we'll be young again there has been some stuff recently i had read an article about um some professor said that they're really close to creating the ability to create an avatar that your family will be able to talk to once you've gone. So using chat GPT and all this kind of a thing, I, you must have seen that. The These are all Black market. Mirror episodes. And if you Very think about much that, I've messed around quite a bit with virtual worlds um, in my 256 hours a week that I spend on networking. Um, the, I, I found uh, a great example years ago in Second Life where the bank system collapsed and they then brought in a rule saying to be a bank in the virtual world, you have to be a bank in the real world. So I'm guessing if you've got to be a bank in the real world to be in the virtual world, then you also need to have some um, medical facilities in virtual worlds, maybe police forces, fire engines, you name it. So I, I think there's something to do here with maybe how the metaverse will be policed would be something I, I spotted this week because maybe criminals in the real world you'll also be a criminal in the virtual world is what you're saying that's why banks collapse if they don't have banking licenses and criminals will target banks in the metaverse bingo bam bingo. <laughs> this is fascinating too i'm just imagining like getting arrested in the metaverse or something but um yeah no this is completely right rick did you want to add on to any of the so story? This is all around Interpol saying that they are trying to figure out how to combat crime and police crime in um, in the metaverse. And it's interesting that it's Interpol because, of course, where where are the where are the boundaries? There's no geographic borders to the metaverse when it exists or uh, the metavi because there's many of them at the moment. Isn't that the plural of metaverse? Metavi. Um, but what's very interesting when when Chris was saying that, you know, one day we'll all have a replica of us in a virtual world in the metaverse. Um, and if you then try and compare it, so what are the analog equivalents? You know, if somebody can you kill my avatar in the metaverse and then uh, who gets held for the crime of killing me in the metaverse, the other person's uh, avatar? or the real person or interpol have got a real intellectual and philosophical thing to try and figure out here how you do they start even to sound like gunk well how do they even define what a crime is that was one of the things in the article is that they said we don't really know how to define what a crime is but we know that they are taking place i thought Did it was more say... about financial crime etc and sharing um information that shouldn't be shared like child pornography etc but not so much like who's killing who in a virtual world that sounds well, gunk on earth to me but are you using a rude word there Rick? what what does that mean 
What's gunk? Gunk. It's from the the the, the comedy series on the history of the world uh, on oh. Netflix. Kunk. I haven't seen it. I no, you want me too. Definitely. All right, gunk. we're gonna have to go fire around for the next two questions. So uh, we hit our thirty minutes, but points oh. here. So yes. points. Faster rounds. Chris, seven points. Andrew, six. I think we're at a tie. What oh, makes me know. think the sun is going down in Germany? True story, and I think this is it, is that Sam Bankman-Fried, the failed founder of the cryptocurrency exchange FTX, uh, got a German shepherd this week from his mum and dad to cheer him up. So his mum and dad gave their son a German shepherd. <laughs> well, That's I my would... favorite joke so far. <laughs> I was going to say um, nothing's That's going true down. Story. In... It's not a joke. That's, that is a true story. Nothing's going down in Germany right now because there's an airstrike on and all seven airports have cancelled all the flights, uh, stranding 300,000 passengers today. Breaking news four hours ago. OK, I'll give you another true story because it's German and son. So it's Leonardo DiCaprio's mum is not too happy with his new girlfriend, who's only 19 years old and he's 48. Ooh. Yeah. That's a hell of a thing. Is Leonardo DiCaprio's mother German? Yeah, German born. Ah, okay. Well, I was going to say another true story, seeing that we throw throwing true single-handedly. Ah, it's a true story show. Sorry, I missed that one. <laughs> Well, I like on. it. I like this expansion. You, you know what? True stories are actually funnier than any quips that we could come up with at the oh, moment. Really? I mean, well, as long as you do it quickly, because we're running out of time here, my friends. And so there are the, a lot of true stories. The sun might be going <laughs> down, but people are getting high. There's a job that was advertised a couple of days ago for £88,000, job in Cologne, for somebody to smoke weed all day. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Did you get the job? <laughs> Interesting proposition. Uh, I, I'm serious. I, I'm going to true stories. I think this one is probably related to my friends called Solaris. I've be, been with them for a long time where they provided banking as a service and they have a proper banking license. But um, the regulator Baffin in Germany is clamping down and they've been doing this to N26, one of the challenger banks and others, because a lot of the challenger banks and those who have got bank licenses from the regulator are not doing AML and KYC properly. And so they're now saying you can only take on new customers if you pass them through us first. And Solaris being a business to business model, um, that's quite a big deal. It has become an opportunity for my friends that I own Bank of Odeno. It's, it's going to be a worry for a lot of fintechs um, trying to break in there because this has just taken another player off the field. Um, Solaris provides a great white label banking banking well, not that solution. great apparently controversial that we'll have to have a show about that maybe on your other show yeah all right next all right i believe no, points. oh sorry points 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 points, 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 points. points. okay points. chris you got an outstanding eight for the dog reference um and andrew you earned five chris has now taken a little bit of a lead so <sighs> pressure's on Pressure's on, pressure's on. Last question. Did you know that Engel is a Dutch word for angel? What did Chad Engel do to hit the news this week? Um, is it that he opened Chad Bank using angel coins? I, I, I don't know the guy's name, but 
is he one of the people that named a cockroach after his ex-girlfriend and fed it to somebody uh, for Valentine's Day as part of this whole Texas zoo fundraiser thing? You can do that. You know, name a cockroach after your ex. That's exactly true it. Story. True story. Another true story. True story. That's why I'm keeping them coming. True stories. I'm lost. I'm lost. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but the, the, you know, the, the word Chad in Dutch actually means cocaine. So is this about a mass movement in Holland for doing God's work, sniffing cocaine? I never heard of that. I speak Dutch. <laughs> I never heard of that either. But I think the problem is that that Rick was referring to the wrong Chad, and I'm going to get the guy's surname wrong, but Chad Stahelski. Any of you know who that is? Really important. Uh, he's I a, know Chad GPT. No, not Chad GPT. This is a, he is the director of the John Wick series and John Wick Chapter 4 launches in March. We've got a new John Wick. So I think that he hit the news because the trailer has just been released and it's gone absolutely bonkers. And it's really much linked to financial services. Well, it's Chad. You asked a Chad question. You said, what did Chad do? There is a Chad. Yeah, there is a Chad. But now, but now we want some real substance here. Right. What's going down? What's happening? These were and the guys that were involved in um, uh, blowing up ATMs. I think that uh, they they blew up ATMs in the states and they got away with a whole like three and a half thousand dollars or something. And uh, Chad has just been sentenced in court. And uh, I don't think that the sentence was quite proportionate to the crime when you look at it. You know, he. He got away with three and a half thousand dollars and he's been sentenced to 11 years in prison and he the the charges of using explosives was dropped against him and his partner it was i, I yeah it seems to be a bit disproportionate what do you think uh chris were there people that have stolen a lot more and got away with a lot less of a sentence maybe well what gets me about this is um you see a lot of harsh sentences for some crimes and I don't think this was a particularly you know, dreadful crime. $3,500 for two ATM raids. Um, when you look at $24 billion taken by Fred Goodwin, or 24 billion pounds actually, when RBS went belly up in 2008. Or if you look at um, what's happening right now with Sam Bankman-Fried, who I've mentioned three times now, um, will he get uh, more than 11 and a half years? Will he get the Bernie Madoff sort of sentence? Um, or will they get off scot-free? Scot Most people who run banks actually get off scot-free. You know, the worst thing that happens to Sir Fred Goodwin is that you, you no longer need to call him Sir. That's like, oh, big deal. Thanks for the punishment. Or they get a couple and, of million in bonuses. And they like, still gave him £700,000 a year pension for life yeah. when he lost £24 billion. Pounds. And, and the UK uh, people, basically, uh, the taxpayers... Uh, had to bail out the bank after that. What was that, like forty billion that they had to bail out the bank well, for? What's interesting is that NatWest Group, which is what RBS changed their name to, just announced their profits uh, for the year five point one billion pounds. So that you know, after what was it fifteen years, they come back out of the bucket. Um, and does the taxpayer get that back? I'm I'm sorry, but it gets into that. You know, stakeholder capitalism, corporate greed dialogue. The government uh, not a shareholder anymore? Well, you could, could have bought the shares pretty cheap uh, a few years ago, um, just for a few pence. Same with Lloyd's. Um, and interestingly, I did have some, and they haven't really bounced back much yet. But the bounce back loan did. 
All right. Mary. All right. I got the points and I added it up while we were talking here. Um, Chris, you got seven. Andrew, six. Chris wins by 42 to 37. This is my Schrodinger's cat. It's not showing. Oh, there we go. Wanted dead or alive. Schrodinger's cat. Very good, my friend. Before we close the show, Musk, 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 Musk. <laughs> That's what you should always mention, Elon Musk. Thank you all for listening. I cannot wait for more international fintech news coming up soon. If you like our show, make sure you register on our website for the newsletter to be the first to know about a new episode. If you're a big fan, you can find one of these goodies or the one that Andrew has merchandise on our website. And don't forget to subscribe on whatever channel you're on. This was the 12th episode of Fintech Uncut. We hope to entertain you, your colleagues, your friends, your connections and followers, your cats and dogs, and more very soon again. Bye-bye. F you. <laughs> <laughs>